Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and September is coming to a close, which means this is my last entry for Listener Request Month. And it's been a great month. I got a lot of great requests. I hope you enjoyed the shows. Uh, like I said, uh, some of the requests that I did not get to, I am interested in doing them, and probably somewhere down the road I, I will do them. And of course, if you did send in a request, I will give you credit. So, for the final one... I think this is a really, really good one because this was a, a film came out in the eighties, which was that, that was when I was growing up. I mean, I am an eighties kid. Uh, I'm sure I've said that more times than not on this show. And to me, I mean, I don't know if I would call this like the definitive eighties film, but I think it, it, it definitely had a huge impact in the eighties. Um, you know, and not for nothing. I mean, and doing a little background and research on this film. I mean, it's something that's even still kind of talked about today. Um, This request was sent in by my good friend, Steve, Steve from Brooklyn. Uh, He and I are both movie buffs and, or uh, movie aficionados, as he likes to say. And uh, he asked me to talk about this film. So, like I said, this film came out in the eighties. It came out in 1984. Uh, One of its claims to fame is this is the first film to be released in the theaters with a rating of PG-13. If that clue doesn't give it away, Wolverines! Red Dawn, 1984. Oh my God, did I love this film. This was a film that I must have seen in the theaters six seven times at least when it finally made its way to hbo i saw it a bunch of times i know at some point i had the vhs i know at some point i had the dvd um i still watch clips of it on youtube uh if i'm flipping the channels and it's on it doesn't matter it could be the last 10 minutes of the film it could be the beginning it doesn't matter i keep it on and i watch it and i love it now for those of you that did not grow up in the 80s, and, well, well, let's let's put it this way. People that grew up in the 80s, they knew what the climate was like at the time. I mean, the Cold War was really heating up. Um, you know, if, if you're in my generation and you remember, pretty much once Ronald, uh, excuse me, pretty much once Ronald Reagan got into office... He he essentially declared the Soviet Empire like enemy number one. I mean, look, tensions between uh, us and the Soviets really since the end of World War II were, were not great. I mean, you know, you had McCarthyism in the 50s, you know, red scares, um, people getting blacklisted if, if, they, if there was even a hint that they were a commie. Uh, you know, it's the reason we fought in Korea. It's the reason we fought in Vietnam. But it just seems that when the 80s rolled around and and we had a cowboy president who was like, they are the enemy. Wow. I mean, it was it was a scary time to be a kid in the 80s, especially a year earlier, 1983. There was a made for TV film. It was a two parter. That was probably one of the scariest films I ever saw in my life. And that was the day after, which essentially showed the entire world. This is what's this is what it's going to be like if 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 the U.S. and the Soviets engage in an all-out nuclear war, essentially. Um, 
it didn't pull any punches. You know, they they said, you know, leading up to this film, uh, and, and I'm talking about the day after, that, you know, this is a film, watch it as a family, everyone should watch it, talk about it with your kids, you know, and, you know, they said, look, it's it's going to be graphic. Not graphic gory, but it's, it's going to show you reality. It's going to show you... This is what happens when nuclear weapons go off. This is what happens when multiple nuclear weapons go off. And, you know, if, if we don't kind of chill out with this, this you know, tensions between uh, us and the Soviets, uh, this could be a reality. So that film comes out and, you know, it's said that, you know, after watching that film, y- y- you know, even even the Soviets, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, we gave them a copy, whatever. You know, even they were sort of like, yeah, maybe we should start talking about arms reductions and, and, and whatnot. But then a year later, you get Red Dawn, which, you know, the day after totally scared me. And, oh, my God, I hope we never go to war, never go to war with Russia. Well, the, well, Red Dawn kind of showed us, well, what would happen if uh, the Russians invaded us and we engaged in a conventional war and, uh, you know, a bunch of high school kids pretty much became guerrillas and resistance fighters. Um, you know, and like I said, this film is still talked about today uh, for a lot of reasons. And one of the and one of the big things about it is, is the fact that it's, it's considered probably one of the greatest conservative films of all times. Um you know, people kind of look at it and look back then in 84, I wasn't thinking this. And even, even now when I watch it, I don't really think this, but a lot of people will say it's like, you know, this is an advertisement for the second amendment, basically saying, you know, look, we got to be armed because you know, them commies attack, man, we got to be ready. Um, all I know is that this was an action packed film and it, 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 it just hit all the right notes. Um, you know, patriotism, um, standing up to oppression, uh, you know, kind of showing that, you know, when the chips are down, you know, even kids can take up arms and, and they can fight for what's right. They can fight for what they believe in. Uh, I mean, it had some great action scenes. And like I said, I mean, I, I don't know if I would call Red Dawn like the, the film of the eighties or, but it's definitely, I mean, this is a hallmark 80s film for sure let's take a look at a few things here so first of all let's look at the cast i mean this was a cast of like keep an eye on these guys they're gonna be something i mean this is probably one of the best ensemble casts of young actors that were going to go on to do better things the only other one i could think of that was probably packed with more future stars was probably the outsiders uh and a few of the Stars of the Outsiders make an appearance here. So, of course, you got Patrick Swayze, who, right around that time, I mean, he was kind of a known... Not, I don't want to say he was, like, a known commodity. He was really on his way up. I mean, people were starting to notice this guy. Uh, like I said, he was in The Outsiders. Of course, he would go on to do Roadhouse, Dirty Dancing, uh, you know, and just really, you know, point break, have a great career. Uh, appearing in his first full-length feature film was a young man who at the time was billed as charlie estevez we know him now as charlie sheen uh you know son of martin sheen brother of emilio estevez uh you know i remember at that time you know at the end credits you know when they would show him you know charlie estevez uh now if you watch it um you know you watch it uh you know 
cable TV or, you know, DVD, stream it or whatever, you know, they kind of retconned it, I guess, and he and he goes by Charlie Sheen in it. Um, you know, this was his first really, I mean, I recognized him because he had started a couple of uh, after-school specials, uh, and if you didn't grow up in the 80s, you don't know what an after-school special is. Huh? <laughs> That's a future podcast. But, uh, yeah, young guy by the name of Charlie Sheen, he's in this film. See Thomas Owl, who, like, I think, you know, in the 80s, I think they were really like, this is going to be the next... This is going to be the next hot star right here. Uh, he had the lead role in The Outsiders. He's here in Red Dawn. Uh, then he's in the film Soul Man. Uh, that probably derailed his career. I'm not really sure. You know, he's he's gone on to do other things. Uh, I believe he produces, he directs, he still stars in things. Uh, he does voice work. But, uh, I mean, he was, he was like a hot young star at that time. Uh, there was a lovely young lady by the name of Leah Thompson, uh, you know, Marty McFly's mom. Yeah. She got her start here. And, uh, you know, we talk about Patrick Swayze and how he did a film called dirty dancing. Well, he started opposite a young girl by the name of Jennifer Cray, who also got her start in this film as well. Um, veteran actor powers booth shows up in this film. And he was a guy like I, I had recognized. I had seen him in other things. I had seen him on TV kind of like a, uh, kind of like a hard-boiled detective tough guy type uh you know he shows up in this film and like i said for a uh, 13 year old guy 13 year old boy you know this film really hit all the right notes um you know even if you weren't a big flag waving you know america loving patriot i mean this film will definitely turn you into that because Look, at that time, 1984, you know, the Russians were the enemies. They were the bad guys. They could attack any day. You know, when you watch this film, you're not, you know, this isn't fantasy. You know, it's not like, well, that's really weird. You know, Russian paratroopers dropping out of the sky, you know, was just as real to us as, you know, the potential of, of, of Russian missiles dropping out of the sky and, and, and taking out all our major cities. Um you, you, you know, it really wasn't that crazy of a thing. It wasn't really that much of a stretch. So essentially what Red Dawn is, it's the story of World War Three and how uh, a band of high school and, and high school kids and young adults, essentially, form a resistance group, which, you know, by the end of the film, you learn that, you know, not necessarily just them, but small resistance groups, you know, freedom fighters, like them, mostly made up of young people, were kind of the key to turning the tide in World War III and winning, you know, the U.S. back from the Soviets, uh, Cubans, and Nicaraguans. Um, you get a little title screen or, or, or a little, you know, card in the beginning, kind of setting up the events here, basically saying, you know, at this time in history, America was becoming more and more isolated. Uh, you know, a lot of their allies were leaving them. Uh, NATO was breaking up. And essentially, our only allies really were the United Kingdom, which really didn't have a very strong military, and the Chinese. Um, while all that's happening, the Soviets and the Warsaw Pact are really strengthening their hold in Eastern Europe and starting to make motions towards, um, you know, Central and Western Europe. Uh also, at this time, there's a, a communist movement in Mexico. Uh, there's essentially a revolution, and a Marxist leader is installed. So, what we really learn is pretty much, you know, the Soviets 
their allies, the Cubans and Nicaraguans, pretty much launched an offensive. They figured, you know, the time is right. The U.S. really doesn't have anybody. I mean, yeah, they got the British, but, uh, you know, there's a scene where Powers Booth plays a downed uh, Air Force pilot uh, that the kids kind of find and and they take in and he kind of he kind of explains to them how it happened and at one point you know one of the kids they see Thomas Howell kind of says you know what about our allies and he's like you know yeah the Brits figured they'd sit this one out and the Chinese did want to get involved but he kind of hints that the Soviets dropped a, a, a tactical nuclear weapon on them and that kind of put the end to that so essentially what we learn is you know it was really kind of like a coordinated a coordinated strike, a coordinated sneak attack. Um, Soviet commandos crossed the Bering Sea into Alaska, severing the Alaskan pipeline. While that was happening, um, Cuban infiltrators, like or Cuban spies or infiltrators, pretty much got their way into the str- strategic command and disabled it. Um, Russia did launch some tactical nuclear weapons to take out some of the bigger cities. We're going to assume like Washington, New York, probably los angeles maybe um and as that was happening you know don't forget that mexico now at this time is a communist state uh so the cubans and the nicaraguans along i guess with with some of the mexicans uh pretty much came up through mexico in the south so it was almost kind of like you know this three-pronged attack uh and like i said the opening scene is you know where we see uh the kids in class and you know, paratroopers kind of start to fall from the sky. Uh, you know, it's the famous scene where, uh, the, the teacher is teaching history. He's talking about, um, Genghis Khan and just how vicious he was, this and that. And he sees it happening and he kind of has the, you know, you know, you see just, just hundreds of parachutes and paratroopers landing. And he's like, he kind of has a funny line of like, hello there, you're way off target. I guess he's thinking, you know, there's probably a a U.S. military base close by. They're doing some exercises and yeah, well, they screwed up, you know, instead of landing on the military base, you know, they're, they're landing in the, in the school's, you know, football field. He goes out to investigate and is immediately gunned down, you know, and we see that they're Soviet commandos and, you know, they open fire on the school. Uh, we see C. Thomas Howell, uh, Charlie Sheen, uh, and a couple other kids, uh, essentially they kind of, their group of friends, they meet up. Uh, Patrick Swayze plays uh, Charlie Sheen's brother. Uh, he had just dropped him off at school. He pretty much circles on back. Uh, he's got a pickup truck. He's like, get in. They head on out. Uh, they pretty much head on out down the highway. They see a, a, a Soviet blockade, uh, a tank blockade. They're, they figure they're done for, but a, uh, a U.S. gunship comes, pretty much takes them out. They find their way uh, to a sort of like... Um, gas station slash you know convenience store uh and this you know being colorado i mean it's a convenience store that also has camping gear uh weapons and and whatnot and c thomas howell his character's name is robert this is actually robert's father and he's like look guys i have no time to explain grab what you need and just head to the mountains uh lay low there and when it gets quiet you know i'll come looking for you or you know you know head on back into town um and that's really what we get here is, you know, they essentially, you know, they go out, you know, up into the up into the mountains and, 
you know, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen, they pretty much say, look, our dad used to take us up here all the time, hunting, fishing, camping, you know, just listen to us. We'll, we'll get you through it. You know, and some of these kids, they're not used to this. You know, this is, this is, this is high country here. You know, this is like almost above the tree line. I mean, even in the summertime, it is pretty cold up there. Uh, they want to go home, but you know, Patrick Swayze is like, we can't go home. You know, did you see what's going on? It's, it's war. And they're like, well, how do we know when we could, you know, head on back? And pretty much at that time you hear a jet fly over and he's like, yeah, when we don't hear that anymore. So after maybe a couple of months, they decide to head on back into town. Uh, it's, uh, C. Thomas Howell, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen. Uh, and they see pretty much that their town is taken over now. Uh, you know, the Soviets and Cubans and Nicaraguans are pretty much running the town. Uh, the mayor there is pretty much a collaborator. He's, he's trying to really keep the peace and he's, he's essentially working for the enemy. And, um, you know, they find their way pretty much to a quote unquote re-education camp. It's essentially a prison. Uh, we see a lot of propaganda going up there. America is dead, you know, Washington, Lincoln, they're dead, you know, and, um, we get Harry Dean Stanton, famous character actor, Harry Dean Stanton, you know, he's, uh, Patrick Swayze, Charlie Sheen's, um, father. And we get a great scene here where he pretty much gives him a speech where he's like, you know, he's like, He's like, don't cry, boys. You know, he, he tells me, he goes, look, I was hard on you. I was always hard on you. Maybe now you know the reason why. Kind of saying, like, look, I was toughening you up. I was preparing you for this. And I think, you know, when you see things like this and you see the fact that, you know, there's talk about um, when they're first attacking their town, uh, the Soviets and, and, and the Nicaraguans, the Nicaraguan um, general is telling his troops, he's like, you know, head on into all the sporting goods stores and head on down to town hall, find this form because it's basically the one that lists all the registered gun owners. Uh, you know, so it's really sort of promoting here becoming a survivalist, becoming a gun owner because you never, never know. Um, but like I said, he really gives him this great speech. You know, I mean, first of all, he has to tell him that their mother is dead. Uh, see Thomas Howell, Robert, you know, he's like, what about my dad? Well, you know, what about my parents? And he's like, I, I just don't know. I'm really, really sorry. Um, and he says, yeah, I've always been hard on you boys, but I think now you see why. And he's just like, you know, you're going to leave here and you're going to forget about me and you're going to survive, you know? And, you know, they, they very tearful goodbye, you know, you know, they're, they're both, you know, dad, I love you. He's like, I love you too. He goes now, now go. And they start to walk away, and he has the great line, you know, you got to see it, where he's like, boys, avenge me! And, you know, and he shouts it out there. Um, they decide. They decide there, uh, you know, they they actually find uh, friends of theirs, uh, an elderly couple that live out in the woods. Uh, you know, they kind of bring them up to speed and basically say that, you know pretty much, you know, everything west of the Rockies and east of the Mississippi is controlled by the U.S., so this is pretty much, you know, you guys are in an active war zone, you know, this is sort of like the disputed territory right here, you know, um, I guess both of those natural landmarks sort of acting as, as borders and or buffers, so he's like, yeah, you know, you guys really, you know, when the springtime comes, you should really make your way through the Rockies, you know, keep heading west and get just, just get to free America, uh, and this is where we meet Leah Thompson and Jennifer Gray. They're his granddaughters. And he's like, you know, he's like, take care of them, you know, get them somewhere safe. Kind of hints at the fact that they had been 
taken prisoner by the Soviets and, and most likely molested. Um, right around this time, they kind of run into not really a Soviet patrol. It's, it's like a, a couple of officers. They decide, Hey, we got some downtime. Let's, let's kind of view the, uh, let's view like one of the national parks they head out there and you know this small group of kids is out there and they engage in a small firefight and the kids really realize like yeah we could do something about this and they begin to fight back you know they they pretty much engage in guerrilla warfare as they do that the soviets of course get very upset and they start executing people in the town the more they do that the more the Wolverines, as they've dubbed themselves, because that was their high school mascot, the more the Wolverines start to fight back. Uh, we get a new Soviet commander coming in. He's like the head of their special forces. And he said, yeah, we're stopping that right now. Like, this just isn't working. You know, they kill five of ours. We kill 10 of theirs. Then they're going to kill 15 of ours. This is never going to end. He's like, they're, they're Wolverines. Well, what do you do? You hunt a Wolverine. And you know, Powers Booth joins them as this down, uh, you know, pilot. He pretty much kind of polishes up their tactics a bit, um, you know, and they really begin to become a threat. And like I said, you know, I'm sure you've seen the movie and, and I'm not going to give this whole big blow by blow detail of it. I mean, like I said, as a 13 year old kid, you know, talking about this movie with our friends, I mean, we all thought in our head, oh, absolutely. You know, once those paratroopers start dropping in, psh, we're ready. We could handle it. And we couldn't. We wouldn't know. We wouldn't have the first clue what to do. I, I, I don't think between me and any of my friends, uh, build a campfire. How do you do that? You know, <laughs> live off the land. How do you do that? We didn't know. But we, we were, you know, we were so bumped up and kind of delusional, you know, because of this film. Um in our town, we had a uh, we had like a, a sort of like a family owned grocery store, and they had a sporting goods section, which essentially was like a hunting and fishing section, kind of like similar to the store that C. Thomas Howell's dad had, uh, but on a smaller scale. And we would always say that we would be like, "Oh yeah, yeah." The minute the, minute the commies invade, yeah, we're heading down to Domino's Market, and we're just ransacking it. We're taking the weapons and and, and the camping gear. Uh, none of which any of us would even have a clue how to use, but that's how, that's how pumped up this movie got us. I mean, again, as, as a 13 year old kid, I loved it. Even still nowadays, it brings back a lot of nostalgia for me. It brings back a lot of good memories and not for nothing. It's a great action film at its time, you know, 1984, uh, it made Guinness world's record Guinness, the Guinness book of world's records as the most violent film to date. Nowadays, you watch it. I mean, the violence, I, I never want to say that the violence is laughable, but compare it to like, you know, you compare it to like a John Wick. I mean, Red Dawn was incredibly tame, but at its time, it really was because it's it's guerrilla warfare. I mean, that's what we see. I mean, this essentially was a war film and every other scene was the Wolverines attacking and setting up ambushes and, and whatnot. Um a lot of the actors, you know, or, or, or this group of actors, uh, you know, before they filmed it, engaged in eight weeks of military training, actually. Uh, and, you know, in doing a little research for this film, uh, they, uh, they referenced uh, an interview Patrick Swayze gave where he, he talked about that. And he was like, yeah, they taught us stuff we probably shouldn't have known. He goes, uh, because of that training, he goes, I now know how to take household chemicals and make an explosive device. So... 
Yeah, they kind of took it really, really serious. Um, you know, kind of some other interesting facts about this film. The original script was called Ten Soldiers, and premise was kind of the same. Uh, you know, a, a Soviet attack on the U.S. in a conventional way, kind of coming up through Mexico, you know, South America, Mexico, and kind of attacking the American Southwest. Uh, they they come to a small, you know, southwestern town. The kids there escape. They kind of flee again to the hills, uh, arm themselves, and they become resistance fighters. Uh, a few differences here. First of all, they were intended to be kids, like middle schoolers, not high schoolers, young adults, you know, a few years younger than the kids, and I'm using air quotes, that we saw in Red Dawn. Uh, Also, the focus was on the kids and on the group and on the group dynamics. Uh, You know, people that have seen that original script have said it was essentially like a Lord of the Flies type film where it was sort of like, you know, a power struggle between, you know, kind of different factions in this in this guerrilla you know, unit, we'll call them, and kind of the war or, or the, the fighting against the Soviets was kind of secondary. Uh, like I said, this script kind of flips it around a bit. You do get a little bit of that infighting, especially early on in the film, where, you know, it's kind of questioning, like, why is Patrick Swayze in charge? You know, and he's kind of like, you know, I am, and it's my way or the highway. Actually, it's really not the highway. If you leave, I'm really going to shoot you because you pretty much become a liability to us because you get caught, you know, you could lead them right back to us. So you're here. You do what I say. That's it. And then that kind of puts an end to it. Um, Like I said, this this start a lot of like young people that were eventually going to go on to bigger and better things. Uh, Funny thing was, you know, again, interview with Patrick Swayze. He said that uh, he and Jennifer Grey did not get along at all. She really didn't like him. The director kind of put Patrick Swayze in charge of this group. He's sort of like, you know, not just in the, not just in the story. Are you in charge? You, you kind of oversee these actors. You're more experienced than them. You're going to take control of them. She really didn't appreciate that uh, until the very end because in the film, they actually kind of become boyfriend and girlfriend a bit. Uh, and spoiler alert, her character dies. Patrick Swayze, you know, comforts her as she, as she dies. And he said, when we filmed that scene, we did kind of become a little bit closer because, yeah, a couple of years later, uh, they're an item in Dirty Dancing. So I think they patched it up. Um, Leah Thompson, her character gets involved with Powers Booth. Um, you know, she sees him as this older, attractive man, kind of like her feeling is she doesn't like any of the little boys here in this group. You know, they're obnoxious little boys, in her opinion. And, uh, you know, Powers Booth is a man. And, you know, you could see the age difference between the two of them. Uh, Leah Thompson has said that there was actually supposed to be a, um, uh, using quotes here, a romantic scene between the two of them. Essentially, uh, at one point in the film, she was really going to go to him. You know, they kind of had a little thing going on, and she was essentially going to go to him and, and say something along the lines of, you know, I'm most likely going to die a virgin. Can you, you know, can you kind of change that? You know, I mean, it was written a little more tactfully than that. And then they were kind of supposed to go off together. Um, I think that film, I think that scene was actually filmed and test audiences were sort of like, ew, gross, he's old, she's young, no way, and it got cut out, which Leah Thompson said, yeah, that's kind of the reason I took the, you know, that's kind of the reason I wanted to do the film, uh, because, 
you know, that character was interesting, and then you kind of cut that out, and now she's just some generic girl. Um, the producers, uh, when they interviewed potential actresses for this film, they were pretty harsh on them. And they said that when they would interview them for the film, you know, they would kind of say to them, like, would you be able to do this? Like, if this was real, would you be able to run to the hills, live off the land? Uh, would you be able to, and this is kind of almost a direct quote, would you be able to kill, skin, and eat a bunny? Not a rabbit. They would say bunny. And if any of the girls kind of got squeamish about it, they were like, thanks for coming in. But the actresses that were sort of like, well, yeah, I mean, if that's what I had to do, life or death, I mean, I'm doing it they got to move on to the next part of uh, the auditions. Um, Like I said, this was a great film. Uh, 2012, they did a remake starring Chris Hemsworth and Josh Peck. Uh, Josh Peck, of course, famous for Drake and Josh. Um, But, you know, the enemy was changed. Uh, Originally, the film, it was originally shot in 2009 with the Chinese being uh, our enemy. Uh, studios thought like, yeah, China's this big emerging, you know, film market. They kind of like our films. Let's not make them the enemy. And they switched it over to North Korea. I saw that one. It wasn't bad. I mean, I I enjoyed it for what it was. But to me, the original is always going to be the best. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking it out with me uh, all through Listener Request Month. Uh, I had a blast doing it. Uh, Who knows? Maybe in a few months I will open it up again and and do another Listener Request Month. You guys sent me some great ideas. Uh, Find me on Instagram, Stuff You Don't Need to Know Podcast. Uh, Send me ideas. You know, I'll do them. And if you give me a good idea, I will give you credit for it. I won't take the credit for it. I promise you. Um... Yeah, I mean, I will be back to doing my regularly scheduled programming, uh, Black Belt Theater, talking about unique kung fu films, talking about unique movies in general. Really, whatever kind of interesting thing pops in my head, I will talk about it with you guys. This is Jay Wolverines!